0: Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you? It's good to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Happy Valentine's Day. Turn turn to somebody sitting close by and just say, you are awesome. awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Okay, now turn back to them again and say, God has something good for you. How many of you believe that? Okay, that's good because God, God has something good for you. I, I know ultimately we win, and so and so I know God has something good for you. But even even though you may be in the pit today, God even still works in the pit. And we're learning so many great lessons from the life of Joseph. How many of you are just loving the story of Joseph? Isn't it a great story? We learned so much. We learned so much about living life today by something that happened thousands of years ago. For those of you who may be new with us today, or maybe you haven't been here for the entire series, let me take just a quick moment and recap the story of Joseph. As you know, uh, Joseph is the youngest of 12 brothers, and he is the favorite son of Jacob because Jacob is now married to uh, his wife, Rachel, in his old age, and so his favorite son is Joseph. And so to show his favoritism to Joseph, he has made for him this beautifully ornamented robe, this coat that he gives him, and he wears this thing around, and he's too, too, school, too cool for school, and I'm going to rule, and he's arrogant and cocky and all this to stuff, and his brothers are just getting angrier and, and becoming more jealous by the day to the point that the Bible actually says that they hated him and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. And so one day they see him coming and they decide they're going to kill him, but they changed their mind and decided to actually just push him into a pit and then sell him to a band of traveling merchants that would be headed down to, uh, to Egypt. And so now Joseph finds himself in the land of Egypt and he is a slave, he's on auction to become a slave. And so Potiphar spots him and purchases him and and makes him his slave. Well, he actually... Notices that everything he touches turns to gold, and everything he does ends up successfully. And so he continues to increase in responsibility and, and position, even there in the palace, until one day Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. Does anybody remember why they no- she noticed him? because he was handsome and he was well-built, okay? He was cut, okay? The dude was ripped. And so she noticed him, and so she came on to him. Well, he would have nothing to do with it, and so he left her with his coat in her arms, and so she accuses him falsely, obviously, of sexual harassment. So now he gets kicked into another pit. He's, He's actually put in the dungeon. The Hebrew word is pit and he's there he's gonna stay there for two years but when he gets into the pit Before too long, two other people are also put into the prison, and that is the cupbearer. Remember the cupbearer? The cupbearer is the one who tasted the wine and tasted the food before the king so that he wouldn't eat anything that was poisonous. And uh, also the baker was put there. we know the baker baked. And so those are the two people who were in prison. Well, they both had dreams, and they couldn't interpret the dreams. And so um, Joseph said, "Well, well, I can, but God can. And so, right now, we begin to see a change taking place in Joseph. His character is beginning to change. And so, he interprets the dreams, and he says to the cupbearer, you're going to be okay. When you get out of here, you're going to be restored to your position. He said to the baker, you're toast, and so I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. And so, three days later, a knock comes in the door, and sure enough, they get out. Baker dies. Cupbearer is restored to a position of power. But before... Before the cupbearer leaves, and this is where we kind of left off the story in Genesis 40, verse 14, he says to the cupbearer, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. And I like this because for once it looks like Joseph is actually showing some semblance of humanity. And he's saying, I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything wrong, I'm innocent. And he's showing some humanity. And so Genesis 41 then begins this way, verse 1, when two full years had passed. When two full years had passed. Let me stop right there for a a moment. Two full years of waiting in prison. A whole lot of waiting, a whole lot of doing nothing. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what's up with this? Okay, why is God allowing this to happen to him? And I think there's some great lessons at this juncture that you and I can learn that I hope that we can apply to our life. Here's the first one. Pit time is waiting time. Pit time is waiting time. How many of you here actually like waiting for stuff? Nobody, I mean, okay, one or two of you maybe like waiting for stuff. You're weird, okay? But (laughs) nobody likes waiting for anything, okay? But anyway, 17,532 days, okay? 730 weeks, okay? 104 uh, 104 weeks that, that he's waiting. Two years. Two years he's waiting for something to happen. Now, if you know anything about God you've come to learn that oftentimes waiting is a part of the equation in god developing you we don't like it but that's just the way it is okay you may not like it because we want overnight success right we want overnight happy marriage we want overnight spirituality we want overnight you know financial freedom we want overnight everything but god many times is into Waiting. There's a waiting period. Trace God through the scripture and you'll see it over and over and over again. Noah had to wait, what, 120 years before the, the rain started to come? Abraham had to wait 25 years before Isaac was born. Uh, Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, you know, later on in the, in the story, in the narrative, uh, he waited 80 years in the desert. Paul, if you move into the New Testament... Uh, was kind of confined to Arabia for three years. Uh, Jesus himself went through a waiting period. How, m- how many years? Anybody remember? 30 years. 30 years before he would begin his teaching ministry. And so it's not unusual to find Joseph now having waited 13 years before God's ready to move and to elevate him to a new position. I got to, as I was writing this and thinking about it, our church went through uh, an extensive waiting period. Uh, those of you who are relatively new, we've only been in this building, it will be 12 years this coming Easter in about, about five, six weeks or so. It'll be 12 years. This church is almost 27 years old. And so that means we waited 15 years. We rented facilities waiting 15 years before we could finally build our first building. And I think it was during that time that God was preparing us. He was strengthening us. He was developing us. He was growing us to to be able to receive what he had for us. And so many times uh, the pit is a waiting time. But what you and I have to understand that it's not just fruitless waiting. God actually has a plan. And so in your life notes, write this, pit time is preparation time. It's not just waiting time, but it's also preparation time. Remember, it's in the pit that God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And so all of you are somewhere in the pit process, okay? You're either, you're either like we've said, you're pre-pit, you're in the pit, or you're post-pit. Why? Because in life, pit happens Somebody just handed this to me. So I had to figure out a way to work it into the sermon. Okay. <laughs> Which wasn't hard to do. And so, and so pit happens in life. And, and, and so, but what you have to understand is when you're in the pit, you're not just in there for no reason at all. Regardless of, 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 the, of the cause, it's preparation time. If you work with God, if you're hanging there with God, because what you'll see in Joseph's life and what you'll find true to be in the lives of many people, I've discovered it in my own life, that pit time is preparation time. God is changing you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's sometimes breaking you. God is, is um, he's, he's developing in you what it is he needs to develop in you, or he's removing from you what it is he needs to remove from you in order to give you what he has prepared for you. But you've got to be willing to go through the pit. It's preparation time. And so we've got to understand that. First Peter, if you go all the way over to the New Testament, gives us this exact same principle. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. The purpose of all these troubles is to test your faith. As fire tests how genuine gold is. And then he says, your faith is more precious than gold. And by passing the test, it gives praise and glory and honor to God. And so many times that, that testing is to strengthen our faith and ultimately to give glory to God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, in the second part of that verse, he says, but if you endure suffering even when you have done right. Has anybody here ever suffered even when you did right? Okay, sometimes that happens. It says God will bless you for it. How many of you have heard of Job? Okay, Job back in the Old Testament, he was one of God's heavy hitters. He was beaten black and blue by by the pitiful situations that he had to face. He lost virtually everything. All of his children were taken from him. All of his possessions were taken from him. The only thing that wasn't taken from him was his wife, the one thing that maybe should have been taken from him, okay? Because, because if you know the story, when all this bad stuff was happening, her response was, Job, just curse God and die. You know, like, happy Valentine's Day, okay? <laughs> and just cur- curse God and die. And so maybe the one thing that should have been gone wasn't, wasn't gone. But anyway, this is what... This is, I, I, I digress. Okay, Job 23. Notice what it says. But, but he knows, Job says, but God knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me. When he's tested me. Circle that word, when. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because all of you, all of us are going to enter into the pit process. You're in the pit process. You're pre, in, or post. Okay, everybody say pre. Pre. In post you're one or the other okay so when you are tested you see God in his character development program oftentimes allows you to go through a pit process and 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 he tests you and so nothing hurts worse than being forgotten and that's where we left Joseph last week how many of you would agree though that nothing feels as good as being remembered don't you love to be remembered It hurts to be forgotten, but you love to be remembered. And so on this morning, on this morning, Joseph, he wakes up. He's in prison. He's been in there for two years. And this morning is just like any of the 730 days prior to this day. And he wakes up, and he he hears the all-too-familiar steps of the prison warden coming to the prison. And he probably hears the clanking of the keys as he opens the, the, the cell or the, the door. And, and But this morning, he notices there's a different look in the, in the warden's eyes. And, and the smile is broader on his face than it typically is. And he hears the warden speak words that he thought he'd probably never, ever hear. And those words were probably something like, Joseph... Get up and follow me because Potiphar wants to see you. Now, Joseph didn't know what was going on, and he didn't know that Potiphar had these, these dreams the night before. Potiphar, in the middle of the night, he, he had a dream. He had a dream about seven fat cows that came up out of the Nile, and they were really good-looking you know, scrumptious-looking cows. And, uh, and then they were followed by seven skinny, scrawny, ugly cows. In fact, if you read uh, Genesis 41 in the chapter there, uh, it says that they were the ugliest cows Potiphar had ever seen Okay, in his dream. And, and so the seven skinny ones ate the fat ones, and it says the skinny ones were as ugly as they ever were. That's what it says. And they're so ugly. And then he, so he probably got up and popped a couple of tums or something, you know, maybe chalked it up to a bad pizza and uh, then went back to bed. Well, then he had another dream about some, uh, some uh, stalk that came up that had seven, you know, full ears uh, that were really good looking. And then a, another stalk came up that had seven scrawny ears and the one ate the other. And so he, he didn't know what to interpret o- about all this stuff. It's at this juncture in the story when all of this is happening and and Pharaoh is telling this to the cupbearer and to his magicians and all of his counselors. You come to verse 9 in chapter 41, the cupbearer says this. And remind you, this is two years later. Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Say what? I mean, two years later today I'm reminded of my shortcomings? I mean, come on. The guy you would think... How, he could have leaves and said, what an idiot. I mean, how could I be so stupid? How could I be so dumb that I forgot? How could I be so lame and forget Joseph? And if I were the cupbearer, I would think twice about telling Pharaoh about Joseph at this point. I mean, what if I tell Pharaoh about Joseph, this guy who can interpret dreams, and he gets out, and he sees me, and I forgot him? I don't think so. But he didn't. Miraculously, he tells Pharaoh about uh, Joseph in prison. And so in verse 14, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Now, bear in mind, Joseph knows nothing about what's going on, okay? The last time Joseph was yanked out of a pit, he found himself in Egypt. Now he's being yanked out of another pit, and he doesn't know what's going on. And you have to stop and think, he's been there two years, and he's probably not shaved. He's, you know, he's probably filthy, dirty, and all this stuff, and so he has to get all cleaned up. I imagine he looked like something out of Woodstock, okay? Some of you are old enough to, to remember Woodstock. Some of you are saying, what's Woodstock, you know? And and so I think, you know, ZZ Top and a beard, you know, down to his waist, and, and just, you know, like uh, something out of that era and out of Woodstock, and he had to get all cleaned up, had to get shaven because he... He's literally going from uh, a a cot in in the pit in the prison to standing before Pharaoh in the palace. And you can just imagine the adrenaline rush that he must have because he hasn't seen the light of day for two years and now he's going to go appear before Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh says to Joseph, listen, I had these dreams and I can't interpret them. And the cupbearer over here, Says you can't. I would love to have been a fly on the wall and watch Joseph look over at the cupbearer. <laughs> I would love to have seen the look in his eyes. You know, you're gonna get what's coming to you. If it's the last thing I do, wait. There's none of that. You don't get any sense of that whatsoever from from Joseph. And in, in fact, what what we get from Joseph is, is is this in verse 16. He says, "I cannot do it." Joseph replied to Pharaoh, "But God will." And he'll give Pharaoh the answer. God can do it, and he'll give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Where have we heard that before? When Joseph was in prison, and he interpreted the dream of the cupbearer and the baker. And he says, I can't do it, but God can. So different than when he was 17 years old, when he was too too cool for school, and I'm going to rule, and you're going to bow to me. And he was arrogant and cocky and brash and bold and all this stuff. Now we see a totally different Joseph. Totally different person. And what's happening is, remember, Joseph was enrolled in the U of C. Does anybody remember what the C stands for? Hmm? Character. Yes, way to go. You guys are so smart. The second service, only one person, I think, said it. The University of Character. So he's in the University of Character. Guess what he majored in in the University of Character? Humility. Humility humility and and the reason he emerged from that prison with a humble heart is because he had been broken you see sometimes god has to break us in order to bless us have you ever noticed that? Sometimes God has to break you. Sometimes God has to break you of your pride or of your arrogance or of your ego. Sometimes God has to build something in you. Sometimes God has to strip something away from you. I remember A.W. Tozer years ago, he, um, he made a statement that I read years ago. He's, I'm sure yeah he's dead. And, uh, and, and so um, he made a statement that I, this stuck with me. He says, in order for God to use a person greatly, they have to be hurt deeply now i don't know if you agree with that or not but you know i've kind of noticed it to be true until a person has had some difficulties until they've had some pit experiences in life they kind of go through life thinking they're self-sufficient or they, they're the man, or they're the woman, or they're self-made people, or they don't need God, or there's a sense of arrogance or pride about them, like they're all that. But it's not until a person is broken and until they're humble that now they're ready to be used by God. And that's what I see in Joseph. And so why does God want you and me to major in humility? Why does he want you and me to major in humility the answer is in proverbs 15:33 let's all of us read this verse together here we go the fear of the lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor what comes before honor humility humility comes before honor you see god knew something that joseph did not know God knew that he was about to catapult him to a position of unbelievable power. And the last thing God needed in Joseph was arrogance. The last thing God needed in Joseph was this sense of, like, uh, of pride. And look what I've done. And look how I got out of the prison. No, that's the last thing he needed. What he needed in Joseph was a person who had been broken and learned to trust God. Because you you never want to put a person in a position of power who lacks integrity and character. And God could not afford He could not afford to put Joseph in a position of that kind of power if he lacked integrity and if he lacked character and if he lacked humility. Because what happens is is humility oftentimes is born out of of wisdom, okay? The wiser you get, typically, the, the more humble you should become. And what happens with that, when you become humble, now that opens the door to opportunity and greater responsibility, and that's exactly what you see happening with Joseph. He, he's becoming uh, wise because he's been broken. And now it's opening the door to unbelievable opportunity, but unimaginable responsibility. And so he has to be building this in his life. And you see it all the way through here. It, when, when you look in, in uh, Genesis 41, it, when he makes the interpretation of the dream for Pharaoh, four times he mentions God. I've given them to you in your life notes. Verse 25, God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 28, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 32, the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it. Everything's changed about Joseph. When he was 17, it was all about Joseph. I mean, you know people right now who, who are way beyond 17. They're more like 57 or 67, and it's still all about them. And at some place along the way, you'll not have to learn. It's not about us. It's about God. And so Joseph understood what Peter teaches us in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 5, where he says, in fact, read this with me. Read this with me. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself under God so that in his time, in his timing, he can lift you. You up. And so, Joseph's time has come. And so, and so, this is what Joseph says to Pharaoh. And now let Pharaoh, this is after he interpreted the dreams and, and he told him what, they, what, what all they meant. He says, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let him look for somebody, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, listen, you got some tough years coming. You got some good ones, but you got some bad ones to follow, and you need a wise person and a discerning person. And he just kind of steps back. And then Pharaoh turns, you know, to his counselors and, and to all of that, and they're discussing it. And if I were Joseph, I'd be probably back up there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and if that wouldn't get his attention, I, you know, I'd maybe, you know, raise my hand a little bit higher. You know, I'd say, oh, I'm, over here. I'm over here. I'm the one. And, and so, and so he, he's in this room and, and he's discussing all this with his, his advisors and all this stuff. And so then, then it comes down to Pharaoh asking his advice. He said, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Can we find anybody like this guy? Now, what I like about this scene is that you really don't see any of that. You know, I'm the guy. Are you blind? I'm standing right in front of you. You don't see any of that. There, there's no sense of manipulation, there's no sense of, of selfish ambition. Have you ever been on the receiving end of selfish ambition? It hurts. If you've ever been on the, selfish, on the receiving end of selfish ambition, it's ugly. Selfish ambition is ugly. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, not wanting to have goals and have dreams and try to improve yourself and all that stuff. Selfish ambition, selfish ambition is promoting yourself at any cost. And so if I have to lie about you, I'll lie about you. If I have to hurt you, I'll hurt you. If I have to steal from you, if I have to step on you, I'll do whatever it takes in order to promote me over you. You don't see any of that in Joseph. In fact, the Bible has nothing good to say about selfish ambition. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, it says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then he mentions selfish ambition. That's just one that he mentions. Now, some of you might be saying, well, well, how bad can selfish ambition really be? Well, I'm glad you asked, okay? Because in, in that list, listen to the list that comes before selfish ambition. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of rage. And then selfish ambition. And then following that, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Selfish ambition does not keep good company. And you see, God had to get all of that stuff out of Joseph. And so Joseph has learned humility in the pit. And he learned a very valuable lesson that I think is one that's good for you and me. so write this in your life notes. If God has planned it, then I won't have to demand it. You ever see anybody demand their rights? You ever seen anybody demand their position? You ever seen anybody demand to get what's coming to them, what they think they deserve? This entitlement mentality? Listen, if, if God has, has planned it, then you don't have to demand it. If, if God has planned a favor for you, if God has planned a, a promotion for you, if God has planned a, a, you know, a higher position, for you then you don't have to demand it you just keep living for God and trust God and doing what God wants you to do living the way God wants you to do. be a person of character be a person of humility and God will promote you humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in his time and so we see this in Joseph if, if God's planned it, you don't have to demand it and so we come down to verse 39 and 40 And Pharaoh turns and he says to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Wow. This is amazing. He's literally gone from the pit to the palace. He's gone from being a slave to being a world leader. He's gone from the bottom to the top. And he says, no, everybody, everybody submits to your orders because you're discerning and because you're wise. Where did Joseph learn all, all this? Where did Joseph learn to be so wise? In the pit? Thank you. That sounded like a really young voice. Is that like a teenager or something? Younger than a teenager. How, How old are you. 12, you're a smart kid. 12 years old, 11 years old. That's excuse me, I'm getting up there. I can't quite hear. <laughs> but I knew I was young. I knew it was young. He learned it all in the pit. Sometimes I wonder, God, why do you have me in this pit? Why am I here? Maybe it's because God has some things he needs to teach you. And rather than fight God and rather rather than throw the in the the towel and and to walk away from God or to chuck the whole thing, could it be that God maybe wants to teach you something? Maybe, Maybe God wants to develop in you character and humility. Maybe God wants to develop in you a greater sense of your need for him, trust, trustworthiness, you see, God works so much in the pit. Verse Proverbs eleven two 2 says this, with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. And so then you jump all the way up to verse 41, and this is what Pharaoh says. I hereby, I put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. The whole land. Joseph goes from a slave to a world leader he gives him his signet ring he he puts a, a fine egyptian linen robe on him which by the way this robe would be one that would not be ripped off and he puts a gold chain around his neck i, I would love to have seen that chain okay i mean he probably had the bling going on like like yo what's up <laughs> you know and uh, i do a horrible imitation i know and so, and, and then he had his own chariot, and he's driving this thing all around Egypt. And everywhere he goes, people say, Make way for Joseph. Make way for Joseph. Where did it start? It started in the pit. Where are you right now? You might be in the pit, or one may be coming. In chapter 41, verse 46, Joseph was. 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and he traveled throughout Egypt. And then go down to verse 57 And all of the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all of the world. Everybody from all around was going to be coming to Joseph. And so this is a setup for where we're going to be going next week. Let me give you four lessons that you dare not miss from this scene of his life. Here's the first one. Let your pit refine you, not define you. Let your pit refine you, not define you. I I suppose there's actually three options when you find yourself in the pit. You can let your pit define you. You can let your pit destroy you. And I see both of those happen a lot. Or you can let your pit refine you. That's what God wants to do. In your pit, he wants to refine you. Here's another lesson that we dare not miss. Don't buy the lie that you can pull yourself out of the pit. If if you're depending upon your resources to get you out of the pit, you're going to have a hard time. And you'll probably be crushed by your pit. Because only God can really bring you through. You know, I told you that the pit is no place, it's not a place to, it's a place through. But you only get through with God. In fact, I gave you Jeremiah 17 in your notes. I love this, I love this passage. It says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He'll be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. His confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries of a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Trust God to help you get out of the pit. Here's number three. Remember, while in the pit, don't break down. Bow down. Don't break down. Bow, bow down. I, I, I know that there are people, even in this room right now, you're in a pit, and, and everything in you wants to give up and, and just, just forget the whole thing and, and, and just kind of break down in the pit. Don't, don't break down. Bow down. I mean, if, there, if ever there were a time to, to just get on your knees before God, it's the time. Bow down before God. Why? Because when you humble yourself before God, what does he do? What does he do? He lifts you up. He lifts you up. And then number four, once through the pit, don't pay it back. Turn it over. Once you're through the pit, don't you dare pay it back, but you turn it over to God. What do you mean by that? What I mean is this. this. Sometimes when people come through a pit situation and they do get out, they say, now I'm going to get even. Now I'm going to seek revenge. Now it's payback time. Don't, don't you dare do that. If you, I don't care why you're in the pit. I don't care who kicked you in the pit, whatever reason it was. If God helps you to get out, don't, don't pay it back. You, you, you just give it over to God and let God deal with it. Joseph was 30 years old when he took this position of power. He lived to be 110 years old, not once in that period of time, do we catch any glimpse of a sense of, of um, revenge from him? Not one time do you sense Joseph or hear Joseph saying, now I'm going to get even with those jealous brothers of mine. Now I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to pay back Potiphar, for, Potiphar's wife, for falsely accusing me. Now it's payback time. To the cupbearer for forgetting me you never hear any of that and in fact what, what you what you sense from joseph and what you and i need to learn is this let god take care of the jealous people in your life let god deal with the jealous people let god deal with the envious people let god uh, give any payback that has to come to people who betrayed you Let him deal with that situation. If God needs to remind somebody of you you who's forgotten you, let God be the one to remind them. But you trust God. Humble yourself before God, and he'll lift you up. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head, and as we close out today, I'm just going to ask that that you would consider your situation for just a moment. And I I don't know where you are. Some of you maybe are... Are in a pit today of some sort. It could be a financial pit, a relational pit, a marital pit, emotional pit, a health pit. Would you just humble yourself before God and, and say, God, I, I cannot deal with this on my own. I need you to help me. And, and God, I ask you to, to do in me whatever it is you need to do. If, if you need to uh, break down pride, if you need to remove arrogance or ego or if you need to, to build humility in me whatever it is God would you help me deal with the pit? I'm trusting you God to help me I just lift it before him some of you here um, have never given your life to Jesus you've never crossed the line of faith and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus and I don't know why you maybe haven't done that. Maybe you didn't know to do it. Maybe you knew, but, but you were afraid to do it or didn't understand it. Or maybe even pride has kept you from surrendering your heart because maybe you think you've got it figured out and you, you can handle it on your own. That's pride. And so maybe for some of you today, it's just a matter of humbling yourself before Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you in my life and I'm asking you to be my Savior and Lord. If that's you, I'm gonna ask if you would pray with me this prayer, if you'd say it aloud, and for those of you who've made the decision to follow Jesus, if you'd also join in. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I humble myself before you, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Save me from my sin. Would you be my Savior and Lord? I choose to follow you, I pray this in your name.